talking about priests. And the Bible says this, these words. You are a royal priesthood. You see, God is speaking to us. God isn't just talking to one or two people when he says, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, my own special people. My friends, if you are one who truly loves the Lord Jesus Christ, then here God is speaking to you. You are a royal priest. You are. You're not becoming a priest in certain religious movements. To become a priest is something we work towards. We start off as a, I don't know what you start off as, uh, a choir boy. My, I wouldn't do so good at that right away. I don't think I could even make the choir. <laughs> but in the family of God, in the kingdom of God, we are not becoming gradually priests. As we impress God more and more and he says, I'm keeping a little checkbook of, of you and, and, and just a few more lessons to go through and, and you'll qualify to be a priest. God says, you are. You are a royal priest. In our first session that we looked at a couple of weeks back, we learned what it means to be a priest. Who are priests? Last week, I think we learned one of the most liberating and freeing truths that the word of God could ever speak to us. That as priests, his priests, we have no earthly inheritance. If you missed either of those two messages, I want to encourage you to, to go onto the website and you can either listen to them as a sermon or a podcast. Today, as your notes tell you, we're going to start to look at the priestly responsibility. And so we can't duck away from these because God says, you're a priest. You are a priest. You're a royal priest. And so when we start to learn about the responsibilities that priests have, this, what God is speaking to us, applies to every single one of us. Whether you're three years old or 103. As a child of God, as one who follows after Jesus with all of our heart, we all are priests. We all have responsibilities. There are privileges, of course, of being a priest. But I want us to start to look at the responsibilities. You see, if I were a salesman, my father was a salesman. We used to say that he could sell snow to the Eskimos. Whenever, whenever I had a, a car that I wanted to sell, I, I would polish it up a little bit. I would take it round to my dad's house and I would say, Dad, can you sell my car for me? And he would say, what, what do you want? How much are you asking for it, son? And I would tell him. And, and he would usually get me much more than that. He was an incredible salesman. 
I honestly think he could sell anything. He really could. But I'm not a salesman. And so I'm not going to start with the privileges. A salesman starts with, this is the privileges. It kind of gets you interested. Oh, I like the sound of these things. Oh, and by the way, these are the responsibilities. See, if I was a salesman, I'd do it that way around. But I'm not. So I'm going to start with the responsibilities. Yeah? And that way we know how many of us really accept and acknowledge that God has called us and identified us as priests. Talking about the responsibilities. You remember that we opened up this, me- this message series in Exodus chapter 28, where we read how that God spoke through Moses and told Moses that Aaron... Aaron was the brother of Moses. Aaron and his sons were to be established as priests. And the purpose, the primary purpose, that God was establishing this priesthood or this priestly position is given to us so clearly in, Genesis, in sorry, Exodus chapter 28. The Lord says, so that they may minister to me. And as you read on, which we're going to do, you start to find some of the responsibilities of the priest. Some of the things that the priests were expected by God to do. But before you get to those, you also get to see something of what the priests had to wear. And that's where we're going to look today because it is in what we understand about the garments of the priests that we begin to capture just a glimpse of the role and the responsibility that God gave to the priest. Now today as priests of God it really doesn't matter what clothes we wear I say let's wear decent clothes (laughs) let's wear some clothes but we can come and we can worship God and and we don't have to dress up we don't we don't have to put on special garments special clothes And I love it because sometimes we have people from all the many different nations in this church and they'll come in their national dress. And I think it's fantastic. When I was a young lad, I I loved my parents so much, but I didn't appreciate this part of their parenting when I was young. They, they, They made me always dress up really, really smart to go to church service. And as a boy... I didn't really like that. I wanted to go in my play clothes. I wanted to go in my jeans that had holes in their knees. I'd be quite fashionable nowadays, wouldn't I? You know what? I still, ca- I still can't get myself to buy holes, jeans with holes in. I can't do it. <laughs> but my parents, they used to make me dress up really smart. I had to wear a tie as well. 
And uh, in fact, my father, when he first started working, he was working on a farm. And then he went to work selling um, confectionery, cakes. And, and he would put his, his, his pants, his trousers, and his jacket, and a collared shirt, and a tie on. And when he would go working in our garden, he would wear his tie. And it made me laugh because sometimes he would tuck it in his shirt if he was, you know, mowing the lawn or something like that. Anyway, we don't have to wear special clothes to identify us as priests, as Christians. The Bible says that we are to put on Jesus Christ. But not in, in the way that we put on our clothes and then we take them off at night time. Hopefully we do. We don't put Christ on and take him off. He lives within us. But for the priests, they had very special garments that they had to wear. Exodus 28. Now take Aaron, your brother. This is God speaking to Moses and his sons with him. From among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, etc., etc. And you shall make garments for your brother for glory and beauty holy garments you see the clothes that the priests wore it not only identified them as priests and that's what Christ does Christ identifies us as priests of God now how does that work as I said we, we don't put Jesus on and take Jesus off. You can't do that. You, you, you have one life. And either we are in Christ as those who have been born again. Or we are out of Christ. There is no, there's no in and out. There's no one day in, one day out. We are either fully in Christ or we have to say it this way we're fully out and that means we're lost we're lost in sin because the only way that we can have our sin dealt with is that Christ takes our old sinful nature out of us and he himself as eternal life comes to dwell within us and we are either in him or we're out of him when we're in him in Christ one with him united as one with him he becomes our identity in other words all that means is this it doesn't mean that we suddenly start wearing long flowing gowns and we all grow beards that would be hard for some of our ladies it means that Christ now lives within us and through us. Paul says, it's no longer I that lives, but I live, but Christ lives in me. And Christ identifies us as priests. In other words, as Christ lives his life, eternal life, through us, so it identifies us as those who belong to God through Jesus Christ. 
Okay? Now, eternal life is not just life that goes on forever. Eternal life is not just, the word eternal doesn't just measure length of, of time. Eternal has a quality to it. It, it. it speaks of perfection and completeness. And so when Christ lives his life through us, it will be seen. It will be manifest. I say it this way. A person cannot, in capital letters, cannot truly have Christ dwelling in them and it doesn't change the way they live. It's not possible. It's not possible. It, it, it's, it's like if you pull up and you're at a gas station or a, a filling station and your fuel tank is, is empty. If you, if you go and you fill that gas tam- tank up with, with water or water, just so you understand what we're talking about, H2O for the scientific, it's, it, your, your, your car is, is, is not going to work. What you put into that fuel tank is going to be demonstrated by how that car performs. That's a pretty weak analogy. But the same picture is formed. We can't, Christ cannot dwell within the life of a human being truly. And that life of Christ not, is not seen through that person. It's not possible. It's impossible. You can't keep Jesus a secret. He won't. He won't be kept a secret. He can't. It's impossible. It's impossible for eternal life to dwell inside our being and it not be evident. You say, well, I'm a secret Christian. (laughs) There's no such thing. There is no such thing. As a secret Christian. Christ cannot and will not be hidden. Because now in the fullness of time. Christ has been revealed to humanity. And wherever Christ is. He is seen and he is known. And. Here we have the priests, their identity, part of that is the holy garments. So what is one of the identifying factors that Christ dwells within us? Holiness. Holiness. These garments identified the priests. That so, so the, you know, your, your, your regular Jew would be walking around and they would see this person dressed in these priestly garments and there would be no mistake. There goes the priest Aaron. No mistake whatsoever. And though one of the qualities of that, those garments, though the prevailing quality was this, they were holy. They set the priests apart. They identified them as those that God had called To minister to him. When Christ dwells within us. 
He will be seen. He will be manifest. It's natural. It's natural. It's the normal thing. That wherever we go, Christ is seen. Christ is heard. It's natural because he now now fills us. He is our all in all. He becomes our life. I was born again when I was seven years old. Seven years old. And you say, well, did you know that Jesus suddenly became your all in all? As a matter of fact, yes, I did. I had a journey between seven and 17 years old, which I regret that I didn't live fully for God. But when I became born again at seven years old, I knew from that moment that Jesus owned my life. My conscience was attuned to the Holy Spirit. And, and when I allowed this body to live in opposition to the will of God, I, I was conscious of it. I knew it. And is that normal? We, you could say, well, Pastor, it's normal for you because you experienced it. My friends, the word of God is so clear that when Christ comes and dwells within the life of a human being, that life is completely changed. It's so changed, listen, so changed that this is the word that the, that the Bible uses. We become A new creature or a new creation. And it goes on to say this. The old has gone. And everything has become new. This is the identity as priests that we have. As those who have put on Christ. Who live in Christ. And Christ lives in us. We are one with him. Yes, there will be evidence and, and, and one of the main thrusts of that evidence will be holiness. Now you're going to have to bear with me because the Holy Spirit has taken us to places he'd not talked to me about earlier on. So we're not going to finish this, these notes today. But I believe this is of, of, the God, of God right here. One of the evidences that these priests were indeed priests was that they wore holy garments. Equally, one of the evidences that a person has been born again, their spirit has come alive in Christ, is this. Christ will live his holy life through them. There will be naturally A change from unholiness to holiness. There will be a desire within that person to live for God. My friends, that's not something you learn. That's not something that you you, you get educated about. That is simply the product of Christ dwelling in us.
In fact, the Bible says this. God says, be holy as I am holy. Do we make ourselves holy? (laughs) Yeah, that's impossible. Don't, Don't go away from here today saying, okay, I know what I've got to do. If I'm a Christian, I've got to be holy. You can't do it. You, you, you and I, we just cannot make ourselves holy. Sinless. Set apart for God where our whole life is given to him. We can make choices, but it has to be the work of the Holy Spirit that brings the holiness of Christ to bear in our lives. We can't change ourselves. Only God can. And, but you see, Holy Spirit help us here. You see, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just getting your sins forgiven. So that you're right with God and when you die you can go to heaven. That is another gospel. It is, it is a fraction of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That gospel says because of grace. Because of God's grace that saves me. I am now free to live this life how I want to. And God's grace is big enough, great enough, vast enough that it will always facilitate me to be right with God regardless of how I live. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one that if we, if we buy into it, my friends, we buy into something that will not and never can save a soul from sin. It is misleading. It is misguiding. It will lead us only to the place of death and separation from God. The full gospel of grace is this, that God's grace is so great that not only does it save me from my sin that I've committed, it changes me completely on the inside so that there is no longer any desire within me to walk away from God, but rather to walk always with him, one with him, for him, serving him. That's the full work of grace. People come back sometimes and say, well, what about if I? And then maybe give a list of some of the things that they may feel tempted or weak in. What about if I? That's altogether different to a person who says, now I'm saved. Now there's grace. I can do what I like. Read the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that there are those who willfully and habitually 
say that they have given their lives to God, but they're still willfully and habitually following after the ways of sin, the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. You say, well, that's God being mean. I thought God was a God of love. No, that is actually God being very loving. Because love always speaks the truth. Always speaks the truth. And God is love and God is truth. And God will always speak the truth in love because he is love. In just the same way as these priests would walk through the camp of Israel. And they would be identified by these holy garments. So my friends, in exactly the same way. We walk in this world as those who follow after Christ and the holiness of Christ identifies us as those who are priests of the almighty God on high. We are not supposed to blend in with sinful ways. When we go to our place of work or our place of study. Let me ask it this way. Do you think if Jesus was to walk into your place of work or your place of study. That people would recognize him as someone quite different. Would his language. Would his language. I'm I'm not saying that he'd speak Hebrew instead of Korean. But would the words he used, would his, would his language, would that betray him as someone different to everybody else in your office? The way he did, did his work, the way he related with people, would that betray him as one who is different? I think so. I think just like the disciples did when they were in a boat and the storm was, was blowing and, it, and, and threatened to sink that boat. And Jesus stood up and said, peace. And the storm stopped. Do you know what the disciples said? Who on earth is this man? Or what manner of man is this? Who is he? He's different. He's not like us. My friends... If you truly love Jesus, he lives in you in just the same way. We are not designed to blend in. We not be, we, maybe we don't wear a beautifully woven garment as a priest so that when we walk down Suwon High Street, people point at us and say, he's obviously a priest of, of, of the normal, most high God. But my friends, we have something eternal. You see, those garments were temporary. They were made of material, beautiful material, woven with with gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. It was the best there was. And and it it was made by only skillful people. Who God had gifted. But my friends they don't exist. They've gone. But what we have. The garments. 
the holy garment of salvation that identifies us as priests that we have today. Oh, my heart's about to burst. Is eternal. Moses, who I talked to you about earlier, he would go into the presence of God in this, this tent of meeting that I mentioned to you, and, and, and he would come out and he would glow because he had been in the presence of God. And the Bible said that they had to put a veil over him because that, that glory was fading. glory these garments were holy garments for glory and beauty in of in and of ourselves we're nothing we're chemicals we're flesh and blood there is nothing beautiful about us there's nothing glorious about us and one of the one of the greatest things that we could ever realize is that there is nothing good within me my, I've spoken that to some people and they have argued with me. You can't say that. I've done these good things. I am a good person. Well, you have your opinion and I'll listen to the word of God. And the word of God says there's nothing, nothing, nothing good within us. And it doesn't matter how much money you've given away and how many lives you've saved as a doctor or a nurse or a charity worker. There's nothing good within you until Christ comes and dwells in all his eternal glory within us. And my friends, that glory the Bible says this. Man, I've got goosebumps, I'm telling you. And it's not the air conditioning. The Bible says that mo- the glory that Moses had in the Old Testament when he would meet in that place of meeting with God, it was a fading glory. So he had to cover it. Do you know what the Bible says about the glory that we have? Did you know? It's an ever-increasing glory. First Corinthians says that we... It it increases from glory to glory. It's eternal. It never fades. My, we should walk into our places of work, our places of where we live, where we shop, where we study. And my goodness, it's as though Jesus himself walks in. What, did G- what happened when Jesus walked in? Acts 10, chapter 10, verse 38 says that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He was holy. And we all love to know that we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, but we forget the first part of his name. Holy, sinless, spotless, set apart. The Bible says that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and he went about doing good what did Jesus do good did everybody like it no but it was still good he went around doing good listen healing or setting people free setting everyone who was oppressed by the devil free 
So Jesus was into demon, cussing out demons. Well, when it needed it, yeah. When it needed it. But he wasn't like a ghostbuster. He didn't go around looking for them. You see, people can be oppressed by the devil just simply by an addictive habit that they can't break free from, by a sinful way of living that entraps them and jails them and imprisons them and detaches them from the life that God wants to give them. And Jesus was setting people free wherever he went. People who were accused, a woman who was accused of adultery by the religious people. Do you know what he did for her? Do you know what he did? This holy man, full of the Holy Spirit, do you know what he did? Did he condemn her? As a matter of fact, he said, woman, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. But then he said, this is where the freedom part continues. Go and sin no more. You see, freedom is not just being forgiven from our sin. Freedom is being set free from the power of sin. And that's the freedom that Jesus Christ gives us. Not just to walk around thinking, yeah, great, I've been a bad boy, but God's forgiven me. Thanks, God. No. Being set free from the power of sin is what Christ has come to give us. The Bible says this, listen, nothing to do with us because you belong to him. The life of the The power of the life-giving spirit has set you free from the power of sin that leads to death. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. Priests. Puts a different perspective on it, doesn't it? Some of us maybe, I'm not taking the mickey. I'm not taking the mickey. Some of us thought the priests were people who, you know, walked very sedately holding uh, crooks and staffs or whatever. Or were people who had been elevated to a position above everybody else. Now, my friends, you are a royal priesthood. You have the holy, eternal garment of Christ Jesus. You are in him. He is living his life Through you. If you're truly, truly a follower of Jesus Christ. God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for us. Gentiles, non-Jews. The glory and the riches of Christ. Think about the most wealthy person that you know right now. Maybe that's you. And praise God. Think about the most wealthy person you know. They are not even on the same page. They're not even in the same book. They're not even in the same library. They're not even in the same city as Jesus. When it comes to riches and glory. Because his riches are eternal. Perfect. The riches of this world are temporal, fading. Moth and rust corrupts them. Modern day moths and rusts are (laughs) 
stock markets that go wrong and thieves that come and steal it. But with Jesus, his riches and his glory are eternal. And it was God's will that we should know about them. And this is the secret. And this is not a secret to keep, by the way. Did your parents say to you when you were grown up, you must never break a secret. This is one of those ones you can. This is one of those secrets you need to tell. First of all, you need to live it. And then you need to tell as many as you can. This is the secret. You ready? Christ lives in you. That's the best secret anybody's ever going to tell you. But don't keep it a secret. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Let's pray. Father, your word is truly, truly, truly life-giving. It supersedes, it goes beyond, it overwhelms our human understanding. Yet it grabs our hearts. That part of us which you have created us with that is able to believe your word. It captures our hearts. Because our hearts truly know that your words are true and life-giving. Father, we acknowledge that you've called us royal priests. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you open the eyes of our hearts. That we can begin to fathom and to grasp the beauty and the glory and the majesty of all that means. Lord God, that you're able when this revelation comes to us to put that immovable smile on our face as we contemplate all that we are in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, keep speaking these words to us. Captivate us with this truth. Cause our ears to only be listening for the words of truth and life. Cause our eyes, Holy Spirit, to be set, fixed, gazing upon Jesus Christ who is the author and the completer, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, it is our desire that these these vessels of clay, these human lives that you have given to us, that they reveal the glory of Jesus Christ. Pure, unadulterated, uncontaminated, undiluted, Jesus, Holy One, Holy One, Live in us and live through us, we pray. In Jesus' name.